Welcome to the PSR Power Talk podcast, produced by Power Systems Research. Hello, my name is John Krasicki. Today it's my pleasure to host the Power Systems Living on the Edge series, the show where we have conversations with industry experts on their insight into the future with intelligent technology. With over 30 years of experience supporting the manufacturing industry, I've seen an unbelievable change in technology. One of today's challenges is designing equipment used to manage power for the growing sector of greenhouses. Power in greenhouses will be today's topic. Today's my pleasure to introduce Tom Bourgeois. He's a deputy director for Pace Energy and Climate Center. Tom has published several papers around energy infrastructure and has also been involved with supporting energy organizations uh, around mostly the, the Northeast. And uh, today, Tom, welcome. Good morning, John. Thank you very much for this opportunity. I'm looking forward to it. Before we, we jump into our topic or our subject here, just uh, Tom, could you give us a little background on of you know Pace Energy and what they are, who they are, and a little bit about yourself? Certainly. Uh, I'm the I serve as the deputy director for the Pace Energy and Climate Center. Uh, we are located at the Elizabeth Hobb School of Law, Pace University in White Plains, New York. And let me take a moment to uh, say that uh, our law school uh, this year was named the number one environmental law program in the nation by U.S. News and World Report. As a matter of fact, in uh, two of the last three years, we've held the number one position. Uh, we are a not-for-profit group. We've been in existence uh, since 1988. We were founded by former Congressman Dick Ottinger, who chaired the House Energy Committee during the uh, Reagan administration and, and uh, President Carter's uh, uh, term in office. And, uh, and also served, he's Dean Emeritus, served as Dean at Pace University. Um, I also serve as the director for the U.S. Department of Energy's New York, New Jersey Combined Heat and Power. Uh, I'll use the acronym CHP, Combined Heat and Power Center. Uh, we cover New York and New Jersey. We're one of uh, uh, 10 centers at eight institutions throughout the United States funded by the Department of Energy. Prior to that, I also worked in New York and New England uh, doing combined heat and power, again, on behalf of the Department of Energy. Here I'm speaking as in my role as the Deputy Director of the Pace Energy and Climate Center. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that uh, background and resume. Really appreciate that. Now, today's topic, we're going to talk about uh, greenhouses and actually, uh, you know, smart greenhouses and how that uh, how that's kind of changing in terms of the market. So, Tom, could you just give us, uh, you know, why is a greenhouse necessary? Just a real t easy first question. Well, um, the greenhouse concept, uh, a greenhouse uh, may be seen to be uh, desirable. Not, not, I wouldn't say necessary, but certainly desirable for a variety of reasons. And we can get into this a little bit more uh, later on in our conversation. But it provides uh, fresh products, you know, locally grown food. It provides food resiliency for a particular neighborhood or a particular area. It also uh, can provide, obviously, local income, uh, economic development and and jobs. So. Uh, the greenhouse is an increasingly uh, interesting area, uh, growing, I would say, in interest around the United States. Um, we became in, uh, more interested in this topic at Pace Energy and Climate Center after several conversations over the last year or so, and we've held webinars on this topic, 
we uh, spoke with the Dutch. The Dutch are real experts in this area. Um, the Dutch have uh, developed greenhouses into an art form. Uh, the, the Dutch in a country that has a smaller population than the state of New York is the second largest exporter of, of food by dollar volume of sales. Wow. I, uh, in my conversations with Dutch experts, I saw they pr provided an extremely interesting uh, graphic. They showed the land in cultivation uh, by country. And uh, the United States is number one. The graph is quite large. The line is quite large. A lot of land and cultivation. Number, and then uh, the land and cultivation uh, for agriculture for um, uh, the Netherlands is a small, very tiny uh, line. Then you look at the, the amount of food uh, exports, the dollar value, and that line for the United States, again, is very large. We're number one. But then this little country... Uh, of the Netherlands is number two. So as, as I was stating here, they have made smart food production, and we'll get it into the benefits um, uh, more so later, a real cornerstone, making them one of the most productive, if not the most productive food grower in the world. I'd like to harken back a, a moment, John, if I can. You and I did a podcast in this series recently, and we talked a, about microgrids. And uh, the reason I bring this up is that the greenhouse is once again an opportunity to have local power uh, providing okay. input for a, a facility. That facility provides significant benefits for the community, that facility being the greenhouse. And once again, this is a local power opportunity, uh, a microgrid, if you will. So I will again refer to the Dutch. The Dutch have, and I'm gonna use some uh, terminology here that you may not be familiar, or your audience may not be familiar with, although your clients probably are. There are four gigawatts. Um, that's a, a huge amount of power. Um, a, a hospital might use five megawatts of power or 10 megawatts of power, uh, which is, uh, you know, one megawatt is one one thousandth of a gigawatt. And so four gigawatts mm -hmm. is, is, is uh, four times that. Anyway, th they have power right at the greenhouse um, in many instances across the country. It provides the power to heat the greenhouse uh, and to cool the greenhouse and power for the greenhouse for the lighting and then extra power to the grid. The carbon is captured, sequestered in large part, not wholly, but is captured by the plants. So it's a, a near, not 100%, but a near zero carbon uh, environment with the plants taking the CO2, using the CO2 to accelerate plant growth. And again, I bring this up because I wanted folks to, to once again think about this microgrid concept or distributed energy concept where you have power, often natural gas uh, generated power, it's using a fossil fuel, it's using it in a really smart way, but it's also providing cooling, heating, power, and in this case, food. Um, so I wanted to, to lay that out and also uh, refer folks back to this whole concept of microgrid and self-contained uh, resilient uh, local power. Yeah, you had mentioned uh, smart cities or smart technology. 
how does that fit into uh, a smart city environment? Say maybe it's a maybe a, you know a rural community. What would that look like? Well, the interesting thing about uh, about these technologies, and uh, let's me let's let me give it a, an overarching name. Uh, we'll go beyond the concept of greenhouse. Uh, what it's called uh, again? I'm going to get into some academic talk, but it's called uh, controlled environmental agriculture (CEA). And this can be a high-tech greenhouse, and the high-tech greenhouse will typically be more of a uh, suburban herb, uh, or uh, rural construct because this will require 5, 10, 15, 20 acres. This, this will sit on a larger plot of land. But it can also be indoor farming or vertical farming. Mm. And indoor or vertical farming uh, can and is appropriate to more dense or urban environments. You know, this can be done in Detroit, you know, in Cleveland, in uh, New York, in Newark, in Buffalo. This is not one technology. This is a, a suite. Uh, it can go from, um, you know, a, a dense vertical area housed within, you know, a, a, a downtown core, maybe reusing an old abandoned manufacturing building in a downtown core uh, for vertical farming. But that has one set of requirements uh, versus a smart, uh, high tech, IT uh, intensive greenhouse which would you know of the sort often deployed in the netherlands which would sit in a different footprint and in a different area you know you may have uh, a site that can be developed in an urban area that's of this scale but you're much more likely to have a site like this in uh, suburban exurban or rural areas this idea fits many different complexes and it can be utilized by the smart city in the dense urban context, or it can be utilized by the smart city in the more small city rural context. So tell me a little bit about some of the benefits for the greenhouse. I'll start with the, the dense urban environment first. And, some, and these are some of the issues that, that we are really concerned with and are looking at as an organization, as PACE, <laughs> Energy and Climate Center. Um, the benefits we see here are many. First of all, uh, we work closely with uh, a number of uh, environmental justice, uh, community development organizations, local you know, development organizations. We find that there's uh, a, a real interest, and in, uh, I won't go so far as, well, let's say, a, a, in some cases, a, a crying need for fresh food, um, you know, there's the this whole aspect of having food deserts where uh, wholesome, fresh, locally grown food is just not available in, in many areas. And we see this as a potential way, this whole concept of controlled environmental agriculture as being a really uh, smart way to address a variety of problems and to reach a variety of constituencies, including those low income, moderate income, uh, people who are often uh, left out. So you grow food locally, um, you provide high quality, fresh, um, wide variety of, of good, substantial food to communities that typically don't have that readily available to them. So you're giving them a whole uh, new benefit in terms of a good um, access to good nutritious food that they didn't have before. 
We are also seeing this as ways, sensing this as an opportunity to develop local skills, local businesses, local entrepreneurs. I don't want to get too much into it, but there's, you know, the whole area that's growing, uh, New York, New Jersey, many states have passed cannabis regulations and rules. And, and uh, you know, this, this allows for, in some instances, the, the, the growth of cannabis, but we are also, uh, also very much looking at growth of, of fresh food, uh, tomatoes, leafy greens, strawberries, peppers, you know, providing both produce as well as, you know, the, the cannabis opportunity is one that, that's interesting as well. As we go to the, more of the suburban area um, or, you know, areas where you may be able to find the, the 10, the 15, the 20 acres, this could be used for uh, small cities. It could be used for uh, rural areas that um, really are lacking in economic development opportunities. Once again, you can provide food locally, you can provide local jobs. We feel that this is something that's going to be ever more interesting. Our food system, uh, let me wander a little bit into uh, a more general overview. In my conversations and explorations here, you know, if you look at the food system, you'll see these huge arrows. Our food comes up from Central America and Mexico through California uh, and down from Canada. A lot of our food is grown outside of the United States. If we can find smart, effective ways of doing that right here in our communities, not only will we get the benefits of smart, um, you know, uh, of, of locally grown and fresh food, but we'll create local economic development and jobs for communities. One more uh, thing here I'd like to add, and uh, it's a bit of a shout out to my colleague. Uh, I mentioned that I'm part of the USDOE's nationwide network of CHP centers. My colleague at Penn State University, Dr. Jim Fryhart, has been exploring this. Pennsylvania is blessed with a huge amount of natural gas resources. And I think that this is a way where we can bring the power generation, people who, who make power generation equipment and people utilizing and uh, producing uh, natural gas, we can bring uh, to some extent their interests uh, in alignment with, uh, clearly in alignment with uh, environmental justice and, and, uh, and environmental um, organizations. A greenhouse using combined heat and power, using natural gas, and I think that one of your questions is how would this be powered, typically right. with natural gas. But again, uh, we all do want uh, to address climate change. Uh, this is just a super smart way to do it. And my, my colleague, Dr. Freihut, is exploring this at Penn State, the utilization of the natural gas, uh, rich natural gas assets they have you know, the power equipment industry, the natural gas industry, the food industry, bringing all these various parties together. And again, I, I want to also stress that this doesn't even just lower the, the carbon footprint. The Dutch have proven, and this is a phrase you've probably heard me use before, John, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, pardon me. Uh, this is a, clearly an example of uh, it can be done because it has been done. The Dutch have done it. I refer you to YouTube, National geographic stories on this 90 percent reduction in water use it's so important mm -hmm. you know we see droughts all over the country we see droughts hitting california hitting the pacific northwest you can grow food this way the dutch have shown they've demonstrated it you know it's 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 not a make-believe it's been proven and in practice for years 
90% reduction in water use, five to 10 to 12 times the productivity. You can grow five, 10, 15 times as much food, you know, on, a, on a, an acre of land as you can with outdoor farming, virtually no pesticide use. You reduce the cost of transporting. You know, we're not sending diesel trucks up from uh, San Diego, up through California and uh, over to, to New York. So I wanted to touch on those benefits as well. It, it's, uh, it's benefits in water use, uh, lower pesticides, economic, local economic development. And again, John, you know, I've talked about this before. This becomes an ecosystem. I'm going back to the Dutch because I think more than anybody, they've perfected this, but they're not alone. Uh, this really is an ecosystem. This brings together uh, power generation. It brings together really smart utilization of, of gas. It brings together uh, high technology in the utilization of the, you know, how you uh, monitor the temperatures in the greenhouse. So you have advanced controls smart controls, you have communication, and you have AI, artificial intelligence, you have this iterative feedback of learning, and you have you know, uh, broadband or advanced uh, IT needs, and you have optimization algorithms. So you're bringing a whole suite or an ecosystem of activities that include food growing, it includes broadband, it includes AI, it includes optimization algorithms. This is not one thing, this is many things coming together um, to uh, accomplish a job with maximum efficiency and productivity. You're absolutely right, Tom. I mean, these are conversations we've had uh, in the past and, uh, you know, bringing this all together is, uh, you know, definitely could be a value of to any community, whether it's a large city or rural setting. So my next question is, what does the outlook look like for for the greenhouses? I know, I know you've had some great conversations with, with, the, with uh, some of your contacts with the Dutch. Um, and so how do you see this moving in North America or the U.S.? Um, what does the outlook look like? Well, we, we certainly see increasing interest. Just the other day in the power generation trade press, there was a notice of a, of a very large greenhouse complex being built. I was talking to someone about uh, prospects for greenhouses being built in several parts of the, of the country. I think people are beginning to recognize this opportunity. This satisfies so many different needs. It's, it's the application of local power. It's the, it provides resiliency. It, it introduces resiliency not only into, into in the terms of power resiliency, but it introduces food resiliency. It addresses a really important social problem, and that problem is providing high quality, locally grown fresh foods of a variety of different sort, you know, of a variety of different types into urban areas that have not been afforded that opportunity. And then, of course, um, it meets our increasingly pressing needs for uh, water. It, it, it produces food with, you know, uh, one-tenth of the water requirements. It has so much less uh, pollution from applied pesticides. It, again, provides that additional component of local jobs, community development, we are seeing this from the holistic point of view. Uh, ideally, we would like to partner with local community development organizations, with uh, local community groups, with smart cities and smart communities to explore how you can do skills training, how you can provide public-private partnerships, 
how you can provide um, interesting financial arrangements, public-private financing, to catalyze uh, wholly owned or partially community-owned enterprises that would provide local development for local communities, local skills training, and using uh, both our renewable resources and our gas resources in an extremely smart and in an integrated way. And once again, um, I'd like to point out that I think this provides a way to harmonize interests. <laughs> uh, again, it harmonizes interests between power equipment producers and, uh, and gas, natural gas. If done, smart if done in a highly you know high productivity way if done with carbon capture and carbon reuse this is and including renewables and perhaps in the future including a renewable fuel source for the power gen equipment you know hydrogen which some of the the, the, the power equipment industry is is you know looking at 100 hydrogen fueled equipment um, we've had some webinars on that topic as well there are examples in 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 uh, you know in effect right now of uh, combined heat and power using reciprocating engines running on 100% hydrogen in Germany and in the UAE. Uh, John, this this I think brings together interests across many different groups. It's a smart way to use our remaining gas resources for the you know to provide food, to provide power, to provide resiliency. All of these things. Um, in one broad ecosystem. As we've stated before, and we, we stated this with microgrids, because we're talking about um, a, an ecosystem, a system that often includes uh, several users, it incorporates many different technologies, it could incorporate storage and broadband and, and IT and AI and power gen equipment. Um, and also, uh, you know, uh, hot water and chilled water uh, piping. It's it, it's an really is an ecosystem. It is one that really needs to flourish. We need to um, strategically uh, uh, look at our current uh, market frameworks and our regulatory systems. So I urge people um, to consider. You know, this this is something that requires. Um, a restructuring in some ways of how we think, because it is a multi-technology ecosystem. You and I talked about how important it is to reward outcomes and not reward technologies as much as, you know, we want to see the acceleration of particular, you know, totally renewable technologies. Um, oftentimes, states and cities looked at, you know, they reward a PV panel, or they reward a, a battery. That's great, but more comprehensively, you know, if we think about rewarding an outcome, how much carbon was reduced, how much, you know, water usage, how much um, criteria pollutants. If you think about it in this more holistic way, and I know I'm speaking to uh, you know, smart cities, and I'm speaking to a, kind of a broader audience, including, you know, people in the power gen industry. How do we reward an outcome um, is, I think, how we should be thinking about this, whether we're a city, whether we're a state, <laughs> uh, whether, whether we're the federal government, because in order for this to really flourish, the kinds of systems and the rewards um, need to be based on uh 
on outcomes, measured outcomes, rather than you know payment for a, a particular piece of technology. Um, so I, I did want to put that out there. Um, the importance of uh, the need to create new market frameworks and the need to look at city, state, and federal uh, how regulations and incentives and how they can help facilitate this smart ecosystem of the future. Yeah, we did, uh, just to summarize, we did have that conversation and it was uh, you know, definitely eye-opening to me and a way, in a different way of thinking about of how we can use the outcome to make the ecosystem to be more innovative. Like you said earlier, how do we take advantage of the technologies, the different you know methodologies, the, the different energy sources, and how do we be, become creative to get that final outcome? Because in the end, that's the importance, is the final outcome and how that impacts that community, that city, that environment. One final point, I want to mention this because the greenhouse is an example. Um, zero carbon technologies i'm again talking about my own state get rewarded you know uh wind and solar and and in other states as well a greenhouse uh may be providing the same service you know if if you're using natural gas but if you know 70 percent 75 percent of the carbon is being captured you are effectively uh achieving the same result and that's I, i'm trying to make this concrete about what i'm saying you know, perhaps we ought to be thinking about rewarding systems that achieve the same result that we want. With that, I will conclude, but I wanted to give a concrete example as to uh, what our thinking is here and, and why we think it's so important to, to reward outcomes. <laughs> well, I totally agree with you, Tom. Totally agree with you. So this concludes our conversation today. Uh, Tom, again, thank you for your time. I really appreciate your time and insight and knowledge in the greenhouse industry and technology and where it's going and looking forward to, you know, more conversations. Thank you very much, John. This has been a great opportunity for us. Take care. All right. Thank you. To read a transcript of this podcast, visit the PSR website at powersys.com and click on the podcast archive. Thank you for joining the PSR Power Talk podcast. This podcast will be available on demand. Search for PSR Power Talk in your podcast app or Google Power Systems Research to sign up today.